Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. As Christians, it is our pleasure and duty to feed ourselves not only physically, but spiritually. The scriptures are the food with which we feed our spirit. The more we feed ourselves spiritually, the more we will grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's open our Bible now to 1 Peter 2 and feed our spirit in the living Word of God. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another teaching. It is a Friday afternoon here in Texas. Hopefully everyone's doing well and uh, spending time with Jesus. Well, last time we had finished our, our final teaching in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. I believe we did eight teachings in, uh, in that chapter. And so today we're going to start chapter 2. And uh, we're going to do verses 1, 2, and 3 today. So we're in uh, 1 Peter 2, verses 1, 2, and 3. Um, we're going to go ahead and uh, pray. We'll invite the Lord Jesus into our time. We'll read the scriptures, and we will get rolling. So, Father, we do thank you for your mercy and favor and goodness on our lives. Father, we love you, and we praise you, and we worship you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy on every aspect of our lives. Lord Jesus, we worship you and we thank you for all your mercy and goodness and love that you've shown us. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open the living word of God, our Bible. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Okay, First uh, Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, Rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, when he says, therefore, again, uh, verse one starts with, therefore, you always want to ask, what is it there for? Um, back in chapter one, if you recall, he ends the chapter talking about how we purified ourselves by believing the gospel, by obeying the command of God to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, to believe the good news that Jesus came and lived a perfect life for us and died a perfect death for us. Um, and he goes on to talk about um, that we've been born again, and we talked about that, of perishable seed. Um, but he ends the chapter by saying in verse 25, 1 Peter 1, 25, but the word of the Lord stands forever, and this is the word that was preached to you. So when it says, therefore, he's actually saying in light of all that's just been said, but particularly to the fact that the word of God stands forever. And we're going to see he talks about the word of God here in verses two and three as well. Um, but he says, therefore, in light of the fact that the word of God stands forever, in light of the fact that you have believed the good news of Jesus Christ, in light of the fact that you've trusted in the word of God, in the gospel, that 
God the Father sent Jesus, God the Son, to live a perfect life for you and me and to die a perfect death for you and me, and that he is indeed alive and risen. In light of all that, he says, in light of receiving Christ as your, your Lord and Savior, the first thing he says to do in light of that is to rid ourselves, therefore rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. So it's interesting that the first thing he tells us to do is to get rid of things. And it's interesting the things he mentions. Um, One, two, three, four, five things he tells us to rid ourselves. Now, the fact that he says that we need to rid ourselves of this shows that even as Christians, we still have, you know, some of these very, very bad character qualities living inside of us. As I said last time, when we come to Jesus Christ, when we give our lives to Jesus as our, and we trust him as our only Lord and Savior, all of our sins are forgiven. The Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, comes and lives in us. And we are born again spiritually. We're made spiritually alive. But our sinful nature is not eradicated, right? It is still there and it still tries to, you know, to urge us to to do wrong. Again, that very nature, right? Although it has been, quote, crucified with Christ um, in Galatians 2, um, 20 and 21, Paul says, for I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That was verse 20. In verse 21, he says, for I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness came by the law, Christ died for nothing. Um, But, you know, when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, um, we're crucified with him. Our old man, our old woman, our sinful nature is crucified, but it's not eradicated. So, you know, we're so used to following our old nature that, you know, we still have these selfish desires and we have to rid ourselves of them. And it's interesting, the ones that Jesus tells us to rid ourselves of. He says, therefore, rid yourself of all malice. Malice is when you want evil or bad to come to someone by your hand or another, right? It's a terrible, terrible thing. Malice. Rid yourselves of all malice, okay? As Christians, it is unfitting in every manner, in any way for us to want bad things to happen to anybody, okay? No matter who it is, right, or how awful that person is or what they've done, it's not for us to want evil to come on them, okay? Uh, not by our hand or by anyone, anyone else's hands, right? As Christians, it's our job to leave the judgment to our heavenly Father, right? We don't take revenge. Um, the scriptures say that, you know, we need to leave room for God's wrath um, and, you know, and he'll handle it, right? So, therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit. Okay, uh, deceit or to deceive just means to lie um, and to deceive people. Okay, we need to rid ourselves of all malice and all deceit. And again, 
the world um, really lives in these qualities. Okay. Now, as I've said before, I know I know a few people who unfortunately have not given their lives to Jesus Christ yet. And they're some of the most loving people I know. But most of the world has no problem with these qualities. Okay. Before we come to Jesus Christ, or as I've said, even many of us as Christians can recognize ourselves times where we're deceitful, times where we don't tell the truth. Um, but we need to rid ourselves of that. It's not fitting, right? As, as believers in Jesus Christ, we're one with him. He lives in us, right? Um, we're married to Jesus. We're called the, the bride of Christ. We're one with Jesus in spirit. And malice and deceit and lying, um, not telling the truth is not fitting. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit. Hypocrisy. We need to rid ourselves of all hypocrisy. Saying one thing and advising people to do one thing, but, but doing, a, doing the complete opposite, right? Being hypocrites, right? Not, not following our own advice, right? Um, um, one of the biggest complaints that people have against Christians is that as Christians, we're hypocrites. Now, uh, the, the, the complaint has no validity. The complaint won't stand before God, meaning someone's not going to be able to stand before God and say, you know, I didn't become a Christian because those Christians were such hypocrites. It is certainly true that, that, that much of the church, unfortunately, lives in, in hypocrisy. Um, and as Peter tells us here, we need to rid ourselves of all hypocrisy entirely. OK, um, as as people who trust in Jesus Christ, it's our job to live like Jesus. And when we don't live like Jesus, when we live in sinful ways, it's hypocritical to our profession. Of having Jesus Christ and knowing him as our Lord and Savior. Um, and so the, the, the world or people who are not Christians will consistently point to the hypocrisy of Christians and it is important, without question, Peter says it here, we need to rid ourselves of these things as Christians. Now, for those who proclaim that, you know, that they don't want to be Christians because Christians are so hypocritical, that won't stand before Jesus, okay? Although it is certainly true that Christians are hypocritical, that has nothing to do with Christ. Every human being needs Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and he is not hypocritical. Okay. Not only that, it wasn't the church that died for you or died for them. It wasn't Christians that gave their life for you or gave their life for me. It was Jesus who gave his life for every human being in the world. So if you don't know Jesus today, it was Jesus that gave his life for you. It was Jesus who was tortured for you. It was Jesus who lived a perfect life for you and died a perfect death for you. So you need to give your life to Jesus Christ today, okay? And know that there will be no excuses of what all the other Christians did, of what the churches did. That line of thinking will not stand when you stand before Jesus Christ. So if you have not given your life to Jesus Christ today, do so today. Romans 10, 13 promises, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I say this nearly every time. Have you called on Jesus? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ as your only Lord and Savior? Have you asked him to come into your heart and be the Lord of your life? 
and to save you from your sin and to bring you to heaven when you die. If not, you can stop this tape and do it right now. Just pray to Jesus. Lord Jesus, I confess I'm a sinful person and I know I cannot save myself. But Jesus, I believe that you came and lived a perfect life for me and died a perfect death for me. And I believe you are alive and risen. And therefore, Lord Jesus, I ask you now to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life and save me from my sin and bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and hope and trust in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. Now, if you'll do that, Jesus will come and live inside of you. You'll become one with him and all of your sins will be forgiven. You'll come into relationship with God the Father as your heavenly Father. Jesus Christ will be your Lord and Savior and Master and King. The Holy Spirit will be your guide, your, your comforter, and your counselor. You'll actually have relationship with the triune God, right? Now, as a Christian, once you become a Christian, and that's who Peter is writing to here, uh, Christians that are dispersed all over the place, as we learned in chapter 1, it is our job to rid ourselves, okay? We have to work at it. We have to cooperate with the grace of God in our lives and the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, to rid ourselves of these things. We have to stop doing it. We have to stop living in malice, okay? It is wrong for you or I to want evil to happen to anyone, okay? There are people who have done terrible evils, right? We need to hand them over to Jesus, right? Hand them over to God. We are not fit. Okay? It's not fit for us to desire evil things or to take pleasure in evil happening to anyone. Okay? Not our worst enemy, right? Um, and so when you look into, in, into, into your heart, sometimes I can look into my heart and when I've just seen such evil atrocities happen, I can see myself just, just almost fantasizing or wanting evil bad things to happen to evil people. Um, but that's not good, right? My heart needs to turn them over to Jesus Christ and let him handle them. Pray that they get saved. Pray that they come to see the truth. Um, but as human beings, we have this man, we have this idea of we want to see justice, right? But even in that, you want to be careful because if we were ever given justice by God our Father, we would spend eternity in hell. That's what we deserve, right? He has had tremendous mercy on us. I was reading a uh, an older brother of mine. I call him Pop. He's a uh, he's a good solid man of God. He had sent me an article that was talking about God's mercy, and uh, and I was reading that uh, before I came to record today. And uh, mercy, when the Bible talks about mercy, mercy is when we do not get the punishment from God that we deserve, um, and as sinful people. We need God's mercy because without God's mercy, none of us will see heaven. And regrettably, the only other place is, is uh, to spend eternity in hell. So in Jesus Christ, we receive mercy. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, again, as Christians, we want to get rid of. And this just doesn't happen overnight, right? Most of us as Christians have established very bad habits in walking in these things, right? In walking in malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy. Right. You know what envy is when you when you have a, uh, you know, just an overwhelming desire and jealousy to have, you know, uh, possessions or things um, or relationships that others have. But you don't. Right. 
That's envy. You want to you want to rid yourself of all envy. And that's hard, right? Because we we want a lot of stuff, right? As Christians, we can still be very worldly and, and have desire for things that the Lord has not given us, right? Rid yourself of all envy in slander of every kind, right? Slander is when you just make an untrue accusation against somebody or when you accuse somebody of something and you don't know whether it's true or not, right? And you just want to malign them. You want people to think poorly of them. As Christians, it's not our job to point out what everyone else is doing wrong. It's not your job or my job to make to make others think less of someone. I've often heard it said that, uh, you know, that people have said, you know, I, I tell my wife everything. It's not biblical. I tell my husband everything. It's not biblical. It's, uh, it's not good. It's actually, it's immature for you to tell your wife or your husband or your children anything that will make them think less of someone else, that will make them think low of someone else. Does that make sense? When you share with anyone, whether it be your wife, your children, your friends, um, your brothers and sisters in Christ, um, colleagues at work, when you share you know, some wrongdoing that others have done, right? When you speak poorly about other people, the natural consequence of that is that the people who hear what you say are going to look down on those people. Now, certainly we know this because that's why we do it, right? We want other people to think poorly of these people, and that's why we do it. Now, we can get into this habit, and as I've said, even as Christians, it's rampant in our lives. We can get into this habit and we don't even think about it, okay? So no, it's wrong for you to share with your wife anything that would cause her to think less of other people. You lead your wife into sin or you lead your husband into sin or you lead your children into sin when you do this. Now that'll hit home for most of us right there, right? Because most of us, when we get home from work, <laughs> yes, yeah, Scott. Most of us, when we get home from work, we can't help but share everything that went wrong or any slight we had in any way with anyone who will listen. And it's, a, uh, it's just a, it's a tremendous problem in our lives, right? We, um, we just feel a need, and this comes out of our sinful nature as well, to talk about um, any injustice done to us. And as I said, when you speak about other people in a negative way, um, or when you point out things that they've done wrong, you're leading that person into sin. You're leading that person to think poorly about the person you're talking about that did this wrong or that wrong, or this person was selfish or whatever it is. Now that's, that's plain. And hopefully that makes sense. And it's a, uh, Father, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a clear area improvement for us. Lord Jesus, we just worship you and we thank you. Holy Spirit, we thank you for just giving us revelation of this. And I ask you to help each one of us now to repent where we see these areas in our lives, Lord, where we will, where we have consistently 
shared the wrongdoings of other people with others, whether it be our spouse or our children or our family or our friends, I ask you to forgive us, Father. Help us, Lord Jesus, to do unto others as we'd have them do unto us. Clearly, Lord Jesus, we would not, would not want other people treating us in this way. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask you to lead us and guide us to help us in this. Help us, Holy Spirit, to rid ourselves of all of these kind of things, Lord, of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Verse 2. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Wow, that's a good verse. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. You remember when we ended the last chapter, we talked about what it meant to be born again, what it means to be born again. It's a spiritual rebirth, right? When you ask Jesus to come and live in your heart, the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, joins himself with your spirit and gives you life and you become alive spiritually. Now you can have relationship with the, with the Holy Trinity because God is spirit, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are all spirit beings, and in Christ we become spiritually alive through the Holy Spirit living in us, becoming one with us, being joined with us, and now we can actually have relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so when that happens, Peter is speaking to Christians here and says, now that you're newborn babies, you're you're spiritual babies, right? You're new Christians. He says to crave pure spiritual milk. Now, it's clear what he means by pure spiritual milk here. He's speaking about the word of God. In this scripture, in 1 Peter 2.2, that's the meaning of all we do here in these podcasts, in these YouTube videos. This is why we do them, okay? Because the pure spiritual milk, Of the word of God. And you notice it's called spiritual milk, right? We feed our spirit when we read and study and meditate and chew on the word of God, on the living word of God, on our Bible. When you meditate on the scriptures, Matthew, when you think about your Bible, when you meditate on the word of God, you're feeding your spirit milk. This is one of the greatest problems in the body of Christ today. In the church today, and I mean the universal church, right? All the churches everywhere in every part of the world, all those who claim Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Probably the biggest deficit that we have is that Christians do not give themselves to the scriptures. They do not give themselves to the living word of God. And because of that, we stay babies, okay? We cannot grow up in our Christianity. We cannot mature in our Christianity without spending increasing time in our Bible. And he says that here very plainly. Like newborn babies crave 
pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. So it's a three-part verse. Let's break it down. Break it down. Like newborn babies. Correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not an expert on this, y'all, right? But I believe that a newborn baby, when he comes out of its mother's womb, desires the milk of its mother. Is that not how that works? Right, Pop? When a newborn baby comes from its mother's womb, right, it desires the milk of its mother. Isn't that right, Becky? Has that been the truth with all your children? When When a baby comes from the womb of its mother, it doesn't have to be told to desire its mother's milk. It actually has an innate desire for the milk of its mother. And like spiritual babies, we too should desire the milk of the word of God. Now that's powerful, okay? You see that? Just like a newborn baby desires the milk of its mother, it doesn't have to be told. As Christians, we ought desire the pure spiritual milk, and then we'll even have meat if we grow up in it, the meat of the word of God, but it's got to start with milk, okay? You don't give babies meat. A baby starts with milk. Then it can grow into having meat. Like newborn babies crave. Look at that word crave. Pure spiritual milk. If you're a Christian today, you ought to have a desire for your Bible. You ought to have an increasing desire for your Bible. I remember when I became a new Christian, I used to sleep with my Bible right next to me and hold it like a teddy bear, right? That's the living word of God. What's better than waking up in the morning and having your Bible right there? You remember in Matthew 4, verse 4, Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. We don't live on physical food alone, but on spiritual food. In most Christians in the world today, all around the world, right, Armando? Most Christians in the world today starve themselves of the pure spiritual milk of the word of God. Is that right, Ezekiel? These are uh, men of God. They're pastors in Africa. Good men who teach the scriptures. But it doesn't matter. Wherever we are in the world, never. Since we've had the Bible in print, never have Christians been more cavalier or indifferent toward the spiritual milk of the word of God. And it's another point of repentance for us, right, May? My wife, May, has given herself to the word of God more than ever. Just and she enjoys the word of God more than ever. As a Christian, you ought to have a desire for the word of God the same way A newborn baby has a desire for its mother's milk. And if that's not there, that's a problem. Okay. If you don't have a desire for the word of God, for the scriptures, to spend time in the scriptures, you want to begin to pray and ask the father, ask your heavenly father to help you. Simply confess and say, father, I confess that I really don't. 
I don't really have a, a, a big desire to spend time in my Bible. I really don't have an interest in it. And I ask you to help me, Father. So not only do you want to pray, though, but you're going to have to be intentional. You're going to have to pick up your Bible. Okay. You can read your Bible on your cell phone. You can read it on your iPad. You can read it on your computer. Um, or you can get a nice paper Bible. It's nice holding a Bible. Right. But you want to ask your father to help you to more desire the word of God, but you're going to have to be intentional, just like you have to be intentional in ridding yourselves of ungodly character, right? You're going to have to be intentional in spending time in the scriptures, spending time in your Bible. Like a newborn baby. It's an incredible picture. When I was studying this, it was just uh, that point was made by a brother. And that's just a, a great point about how a newborn baby innately desires its mother's milk. And that's how you and I ought to desire the scriptures. Because look what it says. Three part verse. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. OK, and the more you give it to yourself, the more you'll want it. And look what it says. So that by it, you may grow up in your salvation. You cannot grow up and mature as a Christian man or woman without spending time in your Bible. Okay. Uh, there's, no, there's no better time. There's nothing you give your time to that's of more value than time in your Bible. The Bible is literally the living word of God. It's alive. And when you read it, you're feeding your spirit. Rum, rum, rum. You're eating pure spiritual milk. You're drinking milk. And Peter tells us in verse 2, Pop, that, that you'll grow up in your salvation if you crave the milk of the word of God. Now, what does that mean to crave pure spiritual milk? First of all, it means to spend time reading and studying and meditating and memorizing your Bible. But in addition, it means obeying your Bible. You want to read the Bible, study the Bible, meditate on the Bible, memorize the Bible so that you can obey the Bible. Okay? Now, obviously, when we read the Bible, we know it's the living word of God. We study it and we believe it all. The entire 66 books are the living word of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit have protected their word. Right? It's been protected, so we believe that the 66 books, the 39 books of the Old Testament, the 27 books of the New Testament, Scott, that they are the actual living word of God. It was inspired. The words are inspired. They were written down by men, but inspired by God himself. And that by spending time in the scriptures and increasing time in the scriptures, it says that we will grow up in our salvation. When we first give our lives to Jesus Christ, we become born again. And just like when we came out of our mother's womb, we were infants. Naturally, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, you're an infant spiritually. Now, regrettably, most Christians remain in that state all the days of their life. And the biggest reason is they don't crave pure spiritual milk. So I'll say again. Let today be the day that you start to spend more time in your Bible, reading your Bible, studying your Bible, meditating on the Bible. Certainly, if you're listening to this, you listen to the Bible being taught and the scriptures being opened up. 
And that's a good thing to do, but you want to do it yourself as well. You want to you feed your spirit in the Bible. And if you do, you will grow up in your salvation. What does that mean? You will, you will grow to be more mature in your walk with Jesus. Um, you know, we, we're excited when our children are little and, and they come run to, run to mom and dad and they jump up in dad's lap and they're like, we're like, Hey buddy. Hey, sweetheart. How are you? Right. And we love our son and daughter, but you know, we don't, we, we, we really don't want our 40 year old kids doing that. Right. I mean, again, it's nice for my daughter to come and kiss me, but I'm also going to want a, a mature conversation too. Right. You know what I mean? If all my 40-year-old son does is come run and jump in my lap and give me a hug, I'm going to think I went wrong somewhere. That's fine for him to give me a hug and a kiss. I like all that when I see him, but I want him to be able to grow up, right, so that we can have mature adult communication as well, right? So our Heavenly Father loves it when we go run in his lap and we hug him and we just want to know him as our, as our Heavenly Daddy, but we do want to grow up in our salvation so we can have grown-up relationship with our heavenly father as well. Does that make sense? Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, now verse three. Verse two, like newborn babies craves pure, oh, I keep saying crave, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Verse three, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Have you tasted the goodness of Jesus? Have you tasted the goodness of the Lord Jesus? Jesus is so so good. But I'll say this, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, when you begin to feed your spirit in the living word of God, you will increasingly experience the goodness of Jesus. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. If you're a Christian today and you haven't tasted the goodness of Jesus, you haven't experienced really the tangible goodness of Jesus, uh, there's very little doubt that you haven't craved the pure spiritual milk of the word of God. They go together. Wouldn't it be great? Right? Just think about that. Doesn't that sound exciting just to, to taste that the Lord is good, to experience the goodness of Jesus in our lives, the mercy of Jesus, right, Pop? The grace of Jesus. Wow. Mm. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. well. Lord Jesus, we do love you and we bless you and we thank you, Lord, and we do proclaim that you are good and we thank you, Lord, that you have given us the living word of God, the scriptures. Help us, Lord Jesus, as spiritual beings to crave pure spiritual milk so that by it, by the living word of God, by reading it and studying it and meditating on it and memorizing it and obeying it, we may grow up. Help us, Holy Spirit that we may grow up in our salvation as we give ourselves to the pure spiritual milk of the word of God. Lord Jesus, we, we, we just proclaim that you are good. and We have experienced your goodness and we want to know it more. And Father, we do ask you to help us today. We do need help, Lord. And I ask you to help us, but to also to help us to be intentional, to convict us, Holy Spirit, that we have to do our part in cooperating with the grace of our Heavenly Father to rid ourselves of all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy 
and slander of every kind. And Father, certainly as we give ourselves to the Word of God and studying the Word of God, this will help us to do that very thing, to rid ourselves of all these kind of things, of all gossip, of all, you know, of all just the, the perversions of our character. Lord Jesus, we love you and we thank you. We, we thank you again for the living word of God, Lord. Father, we honor you and we bless you and we commit this time into your hands. Holy Spirit, we ask you to go ahead of us now, this day and this weekend, in Jesus' name, prepare our way. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org. If you'd like to email us directly, you can reach us at contact at kingdomd.org.